0: Welcome into the latest edition of the Chase and Mace podcast. I'm your host, Mason Mee, and that's Chase Baxa. And we're just two friends, but at a random right school that no one's ever heard of. And this is the latest in soccer news. All right, before we get to our regular scheduled programming of Premier League Soccer, first we're going to throw it to our La Liga correspondent, Zach O'Connor, to talk about La Liga News. Zach, what do you got for us?
1: Hey guys, good to be on the show with you. So, yeah, I just want to talk about a couple games, and I, you know, I really want to focus on uh, Bill Bowell. The last couple of weeks that they've had have just been really incredible. Um, You know, we start off, we were uh, playing Barcelona, you know, and in extra time they had that penalty where they were able to move on to the quarterfinals um, and they would move on to beat Real Madrid. You know, uh, at the end of that game, Jordi Alba was really just unlucky to have a handball called against him, and that cost Barcelona the game. But, yeah, like I said, you know, Bilbao goes on to beat Real um, in the 89th minute. Granted, you know, I am a Real fan, and I have to say, you know, Real was without Benzema. They're coming straight from international duty. Um, you know, they had the the trio, the Brazilian trio, of Vinicius, Rodrigo, Casemiro, and, you know, coming straight out of uh, their Brazilian duties. I don't think that they were on top of their game. They definitely looked a little out of sorts, but, um, you know, they're they're uh, cost them at the end. So Casemiro gives over the ball towards the end of the game, 89th minute. And that leads to the goal for Bilbao. So ending both Real Madrid and Barcelona's runs
0: there. Um, so that's just uh, pretty impressive. Yes, it is. But they still have that back core line of uh, Thibaut Courtois, David Alaba, and Eder Militao. So they, they've been pretty solid all season to this point, especially with the loss of Sergio Ramos and Rafael Varane at Manchester United.
1: Absolutely. And that, that just goes to show you know what the, what one moment can do and one mistake can lead to a goal at any given time. So uh, Bilbao is definitely punctual and capitalizing on those chances and Real and Barcelona both um, need to continue to stay strong in in their moments of uh, opportunity.
0: Yeah. Well said, Zach. Well said. All right, let's shift over a little bit to Real Madrid. They just defeated Granada one nil. Um, and Isco surprisingly started up top uh we also had Kamavinga coming in the place of Casemiro to play alongside with Tony Cruz and Luka Modric and I thought uh Kamavinga is a very very good young talent and I think he's gonna he's ready to uh step up and start in that Real Madrid midfield absolutely I agree Kamavinga
1: he's uh really showing off what he can do this season especially he's not getting uh as many minutes as he might like, you know, especially coming out of the French league where he was just a young superstar. But, you know, he's really showing his talents. And I think that he could easily you know, kind of transform the next season or two and become a player that's uh, along the same lines of uh, Vinicia. So, what he is today, we all remember how he started, and it was kind of a slow start initially. People were unsure, but. Suddenly he's a he's a superstar at Real Madrid, doing very very well, scoring very important goals along our uh, number one striker there, Karim Benzema.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm with you there, and but it's just surprising that Hazard is just keeps coming off the bench, and along with Gareth Bale since he came back from his loan with Spurs. Yeah, I agree. You know, they're they're
1: both in good form. I think if they got the minutes, they would be in better form. Um, but you know, I take a look back to several seasons ago when Carlo Ancelotti was initially at the wheel for Real Madrid and um, players like Gareth Bale, they were getting the time and they were scoring the goals, making the chances. Um, but, you know, today it's clearly just not fitting in the team sheet that he has in mind. It's not in his game plan. So, you know what, we've just got to trust the coach at this point um, and we'll see what happens with, with players like Gareth Bale, Eden Hazard, clearly both still great talents, but um, you know, it's, it's just not in the game plan right now, I guess. I think it's been
2: a while since I've heard somebody say that Gareth Bale and Eden Hazard are in good form. I think that's a, a phrase <laughs> that has has not been spoken for a while.
1: Yeah, I mean, but we got to look. I mean, recently when they're in the game, I think that they're not necessarily making mistakes. I think if they were given the time, I think that they would, uh, they would definitely evolve into the players that they need to be. So do you think they're being
2: held to a higher standard? I feel like, uh, especially Gareth Bale, with his loan spell at, at the Spurs. Uh, I feel like he came out and he was a good, solid player. He didn't, again, he didn't make mistakes like you said, but uh, he just wasn't that above and beyond player that we expect from those guys. Do you, so do you think that maybe they're not getting those minutes just because there's
1: sort of an unrealistic expectation placed on them at the moment? I think there could be. And, you know, I keep going back to the game plan that Carlo Ancelotti has in place and, you know, maybe it's just not his idea for those types of players to be on the wing. I know that he wants to give those young Brazilians a chance and he's got a lot of great options on the wing. You know, we talk about hazard, we talk about Bale, but when we have Rodrigo, Vinicius, Isco, Asensio, it's just so many attacking options. And frankly, those younger guys are outperforming the veterans at this stage. So, Higher expectations, uh, they they may be left in the past, you know. I I can't say if they're going to exceed the standards that have been set
0: for them. Now, let me ask you this, Zach. So, when Carlo Ancelotti was first at Real Madrid for that starting at that 13 14 season, when they went on to win La Decima, he had both. Uh, Ronaldo and Bale just came in for the the record-breaking fee, and they were both, at the time, very, very fast players. So do you think that Ancelotti wants more of a faster winger? I think at the
1: time, speed was a big asset. But nowadays, I see a lot of players that are very good on the dribble. Clearly, like you mentioned before, we have Isco starting at striker. Um, We have Vinicius. We have Rodrigo, both very shifty players. Not necessarily known for their top end speed, although they are very quick. Um, I see the top end as being more of a dribble, quick pass, um, definitely putting emphasis on the flair in that final third. And uh, it's been working for them this season. So, yeah, I think it's it's kind of changed from just all out speed counterattack to a bit more structured, um, given the responsibility to the individual players at some points.
2: Yeah, I think that definitely evolves from the idea that now we have these fullbacks that are super athletes. Mm-hmm. I think that is now just the new norm for most teams. Uh, so I, I guess that game plan is definitely a good one because obviously those those super athletes like Trent Alexander-Arnold or um, I'm not going to say Juan Basaka, but uh, uh, Cancelo and, and those type of players, very good players, uh, not the best at defending, uh, but super fast and great athletes uh, so I, I could definitely see how a player that's more shifty on the ball and moves it a little bit quicker could be a little bit more dangerous than somebody that's just trying to outrun
0: one of those types of players
1: absolutely the game is changing
0: but let's let's step back a minute and see a, a, a fullback from the past and specifically looking at Jordi Alba with his firecracker of a goal when they played Atletico this weekend Barca won that game four to two Danny Alves scored and played well until that red card uh, Zach, what were your initial thoughts after the game?
1: Yeah, I thought that Barcelona and Athletic, they both played very well. Um, Barcelona clearly coming out on top and Danny Alves is getting major attention with a huge impact on that game, uh, both on the positive side and the negative side with a goal and an assist as well as the red card. Um, and then, yeah, that Jordi Alba goal was really incredible. Um, but we have to take a look back and, you know, the, as the game unfolded, it was Atletico that scored first. That was Yana uh, Carrasco starting off the, the scoring there. Um, but the response from Barca was just spectacular with a beautiful cross and the finish from Alba. Um, also, I re- really like to mention uh, Adama Traore coming back into the squad.
0: He did play really well in his return oh, to the that. new
1: camp. Yeah, I thought he made a huge impact. Um, also, getting an assist, really good on the dribble you know getting into the space inside the box getting good crosses in um he was just an invaluable asset immediately so bright future for barcelona right now i think they made a lot of good moves in this last transfer market so hopefully that's gonna start making them walk up the table
0: a bit closer to to the top three i'm with you there but uh My one question I have is, Danielle has played really well, and he's been a great fullback in the past, but he's 38. Do you think he can keep up this head of steam going into the summer?
1: You know what? Uh, As one of our favorite movies quotes with advances in modern science. (laughs) 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 No, but seriously, I I think that um, we can take a look at players like, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, Gianluigi Buffon. um, These types of guys, they're getting older and they're still on top of their game. Um, Buffon, not not so much recently, but I think Alves has a great opportunity to really excel at Barcelona and maybe finish his career on a high note, um, but at least come back to a place where he's comfortable and uh, clearly he is comfortable and performing well.
0: Chase, any thoughts on the 38-year-old?
1: You know...
2: I, uh, we talked about Ronaldo quite a bit. Um, I honestly didn't realize he was turning 37 in my mind. He's always been like 33. Uh, so when I saw that, that Instagram post from him turning 37, it blew my mind that he's still playing at a top level. Uh, but his, his level is definitely dropping. So I, uh, I don't know. I think that's that age where you either make it or break it, but it's, he's coming to the end of his, his, uh, run no matter what. Uh, but, I mean, he's still playing at an elite level. So obviously Barcelona winning 4-2, to starting and making a crazy impact at age 38 is very impressive. And if he can still do that, I don't see why he can't play into his 40s. Mm-hmm.
0: I think the main reason why they brought him into Barcelona was to get the younger players uh, to believe more in Xavi as the manager rather than just see him as this, oh, Barcelona La Mesa legend. So, I feel like his leadership is going to be taken more into account than his actual play. But uh, looking back and seeing older players, uh, we have to look at the other side, on Atletico's side, and look at Luis Suarez getting that goal on that barely, barely offsides goal. But overall, Atletico did not look great. I feel like their defense was in shambles at once Yana Carrasco got his goal.
1: Yeah, I think that they definitely uh, started to give in a bit. Um... And that's unfortunate. I think that, you know, to Barcelona's credit, they had some really good attacking movement, really good moments. And uh, that definitely doesn't help bolster the vision of your defense there. When you're looking at Atletico trying to defend against such a top-tier squad, um, yeah, it can, it can definitely give the appearance that they're in shambles, as you said. Um, whether that's the case or not, I think we have to keep an eye on them and see what the coming weeks have in store. But um, still a good squad overall.
0: Still a good squad, but I feel like they're missing that one stalwart center back that they've had for years in Diego Godin, but they still have Jan Oblak at the back, who is one of the best goalkeepers in the world.
1: Yeah, without question. He's making huge saves all season, continues to year in, year out, um, and he's he's kind of a, a lifer at Atletico Madrid at this point.
0: I'm with you there. All right, that's Zach O'Connor with the uh, Spanish news, and now let's head over to England, where I think, Chase, do you have any games that you want to talk about specifically? Oh,
2: I have a lot written about a lot of games, man. Oh,
0: boy. Let's see what we got. What do you got for us? We
2: can we can start out with the games on Tuesday, which were West Ham versus Watford. We also had Newcastle versus Everton. And we also had Mason, your favorite game from Tuesday, Manchester United versus Burnley. But we'll talk about that one a little bit later. Um, I sort of wanted to talk about Everton again. Uh, we talked about Everton a little bit last time they played. Uh, they won, what was it, 4-1 against, ooh, who was that? Against Brentford. Mm-hmm. And that there, and I defended Brentford for quite a while. You did, yeah. Uh, and they lost, Everton lost on Tuesday to Newcastle 3-1. Uh, Deli alley actually making his debut, having very little impact. Um, but this game was just super chippy, and... I don't really know what to expect from Newcastle, or not Newcastle, from Everton at this point. Uh, because last week, we were talking about them, and we said they're just sloppy. Uh, they were cocky with the entire game, and they played very much like they had the game in hand when it was very much not not a game that they uh, deserved to win in my eyes. Uh, so what I have written, actually, is that Trippier, amazing, and absolutely World class player uh, played out of his mind for Newcastle against Everton. Uh, but Everton to me just seems like they have to settle down. Uh, they're not settled. Uh, there's too much going on. They seem like they're too frantic on the ball every single time that any player on that team gets it. Uh, so, I mean, they again, they lost to Newcastle three to one, and it seemed like a very fitting scoreline for that game. Uh, Newcastle controlled. Most of the game, Everton had the first half pretty well locked, uh, but Newcastle just broke down the defense time in and time out. It, it was almost embarrassing to watch for Everton, in my opinion. Uh, then again, on, on Tuesday, we had West Ham and Watford. Not much to say about that game. Uh,
0: just Bowen doing what Bowen does and scoring goals for West Ham. West Ham, that was a surprising game because that's been twice now that they've left it basically to the death to beat a weaker opponent. If you look at the, the past week, they played Kidminster Minster, and they had to score two goals in added time just to, just to make face and make it to the next round of the FA Cup. And now they battle relegation Watford, and they only win one nothing with David Moyes only making one sub the entire game.
2: Yeah, very interesting approach. Uh, but West Ham is a very on-the-verge team in mind. They sometimes make amazing plays, and they can beat those big opponents, uh, but sometimes they are still that relegation team and making very elementary mistakes, uh, which we've seen in the past week. So hopefully that can clean it up. But again, it's Jared Bowen doing what Jared Bowen does, scoring for West Ham when he needs him the most.
0: Absolutely. But I still think it should be uh, Mikel Antonio who's going to be make, getting the goals in the end. Oh, 100%. We just need to, he just needs to be healthy.
2: Uh, West Ham needs to keep him in rehab his entire life because he needs to stay healthy to, to be able to score those goals. That man has not finished a season with West
0: Ham since he's been there. Yeah, I agree with you there. All right. Do we dare talk about this Manchester United friendly game? Oh, we put it off. There was a lot more games this week. There was. Let's 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 save it to the end. I I can't even like look at the, the, those notes I have right now. Oh my gosh. Let's move on and let's continue on. Let's talk about the Southampton versus Spurs game. And I feel like this was one of the best games of the season. Southampton took the, took the win three to two after being down two to one. And Conte, his Spurs just looked horrendous. (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) They they were so bad. The announcer, I'm not, I don't remember if it was Martin Tyler or Arlo White, but the announcer for the game at the end of the first half said, it seems like every single Southampton player was having a shot. They had 23 shots for the entire game, and Conte is a more defensive-minded coach. Granted, he's more counterattack, but you'd think, with his team, he'd be better. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Being up two to one, both
2: goals for for Tottenham, also coming off the set pieces, and uh, in my eyes, again, very lucky goals, just like Everton the week before. Uh, but Southampton could have been up four to one in the first half. They had so many chances. Hugo Lloris came in the into the clutch so many times.
0: I mean, Ward Prowse, what can we say about that guy? Ward Um, Prowse controls every single game he plays.
2: Yeah, oh my gosh, he was unreal. He was so good against Tottenham, they didn't have an answer for him. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've written here that uh, Son is still world-class. He is an amazing player that needs to get out of Tottenham. He's not going to, uh, but I think he needs to get out of Tottenham because they're wasting his talent losing 3-2 to two against a Southampton team that's been
1: struggling all season.
0: I'm with you there. Zach, any thoughts? Yeah, I
1: I have to agree with you guys. I mean, at some juncture. Um, I'd like to also interject on, on a couple other games, if I might. I've got Absolutely. Some, some points yeah. here. Um, you know, we were talking about the Everton-Newcastle game. I don't think we were able to mention that Frank Lampard is fresh at the wheel for them. Um, and I think that there's just this, kind of disorganization a sense of disorganization and frustration from the everton players um i really think that they they rarely had any continued periods of dominance um uh, but on the other hand like you guys were saying you know newcastle was excellent uh, through the entire game um you know newcastle they were powerful purposely taking the three points they they took it from lampard and and the, his new squad um Frustrated is a great word there,
2: man. That's that's perfect. That's exactly how Everton played in my eyes. It, like I said, it was a very chippy game. They were going into tackles late, left, and right. Like, Carlson made two nasty tackles, and I thought he could <laughs> come out of the game very easily. Uh, but, yeah, frustrated is the perfect word for them.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I don't know. I mean, uh, did we want to start talking about that, man? You Burnley game? Not, not yet. Not- not yet. God, yeah. <laughs> We're still not ready. Villa game, three to three. That Villa game was one of the best
2: games I've seen. So back it's and forth. So Coutinho, oh my goodness. A goal and two assists. That's an unreal show out of that game. Daniel James also playing fantastic for Leeds, but we can't go past Coutinho playing having a goal and
0: two assists in that game. Oh my gosh. And that game was so good. But it feels like Villa left off because they uh, – Excuse me. Uh, Leeds left off because Villa scored two later goals. Well, Villa had
2: the had the lead. They were three to one up. Uh, Leeds coming back and winning. Oh,
0: that's right. That's right.
2: Excuse me. Uh, but yeah, Villa definitely left the points there. Uh, they definitely could have taken the points very handedly, uh, not doing it. They did suffer a red card later in the game, but it did not have that much of an impact. Um, but yeah, they definitely did not show. Could have showed going up three to one, uh,
0: very early. All right, you guys ready for this little tidbit of a fact here? Daniel James is the only Man U player to sell for a profit in the last six years. <laughs> That's a hard fact, man. Oh, my
1: gosh. That's a rough one. That's a tough pill to swallow if you're a, a Man U supporter
0: there, I'm sorry to say. it's It's been a rough life. It's been a rough few months. But, no, I, again, that game was so good. Stevie G, I feel like if he just – can get one or two more impactful substitutions going for him, his team is going to be special in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: hopefully uh, Felipe Coutinho is is healthy. Uh, I know on his last shot of the game, he felt a little tear behind his knee. Uh, So hopefully, hopefully, I'm crossing my fingers because I love that guy. Uh, I hope he's okay. I hope he comes back to the next game. My only last note for that game is that Mings is such a good defender, but he is so inconsistent. Like he made a full line clearance and it's beautiful. And it's like one of the best defending moments I've seen in a while. But then he just lets Daniel James walk past him and score the next play.
0: Like, I don't understand him. Daniel James also scored a header and he's not even taller than me. Yeah. How does he he get up there? Doesn't make any sense. All right. Now, I have a good question for you guys in terms of Aston Villa. Do you think Coutinho would work, would work better with Ollie Watkins up top or Danny Ings?
2: Uh, so, Danny we can go with Danny Ings because obviously they have played together before at Liverpool. Um, but I think Ollie Watkins is just too good. You can't pass him up. And Coutinho's ball playing to perfection, you have to toss Ollie Watkins in there. He's just too athletic, too quick, too big to not be making those runs. Uh, Danny Ings, obviously, knowing where to be. But I don't know. I think just Ollie Watkins is the
1: overall better striker in that position. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, I agree. I think Ings, they have the chemistry. But that's from a while ago now. Um, When we look at Watkins, he is the shiftier player. I think that kind of aligns more with Coutinho's style. Um, I think that they are going to flesh well together as they continue to build chemistry. Through this season hopefully you know next season they come out and maybe maybe that's our starting lineup that we see next season but um yeah I think in the future we've got a really promising duo between between Watkins and Coutinho
0: I'm with you there Ali Watkins so good so young but that chemistry between uh Coutinho and Danny Ings back when it was Danny and Danny up top for Liverpool Danny Ings and Danny Sturridge oh what a time that was huh Jace I miss it, man. I miss it. Every- <laughs> I miss Look. Sturridge dancing in the corner so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you there, but no, I, I I still feel the same with you guys at Ollie Watkins. Shiftier and can find those pockets of space more so than Danny Yings can, even though Danny Yings can finish almost anything. Yeah, seriously, from anywhere. All right. I want to talk about very, very briefly the Arsenal game and the surprising 10 second red card with Gabrielle Martinelli. He deserved it though. Can't say he didn't deserve it. I was I was just surprised that the referee actually followed through with it because most times, like if something happens super super quick and the referee doesn't really know what to do, that it, it's hard to make those choices. Um, it's we've we've obviously played at a high level in terms of club and college soccer, but how often do you see a penalty call in the first five minutes of a game? Yeah, not very often. You yes, don't. while I was. Not surprised that it was a red card. I was surprised the actu- the referee actually gave it to him with the double yellow in 10 seconds.
2: I agree. Very surprising, but it, that was a nasty tackle. That second tackle uh,
0: could have been deserving of a red card in itself.
1: I'm with you there. Zach, any thoughts? Uh, I think that, you know, both of his offenses for those yellow cards, they're both in isolation. They're both yellow cards. Um, but, you know, if Martinelli... Martinelli fouls before or during that throw-in. Um, it wouldn't be an open play. Um, I don't know. There's an argument to be made that maybe it shouldn't have been that double yellow that led to the red card.
0: It's very interesting, though, because he did disrupt the throw-in or had the potential to disrupt, which is a yellow card. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But I... I just don't know where Arsenal in general are going to get their goals from because Lacazette is not that great anymore. Not since he left Lyon. He just hasn't been the same.
2: I would agree. Uh, He's still scoring goals, but it's just at a very sporadic pace, I guess. I think they're leaning on Saka a little too much. Uh, They did get a lucky goal against Wolves, just sort of bouncing correctly uh, for them. Because, I mean, what it was a corner that bounced off of about three people and then bounced on the goal line, and two Wolves players dove at it, and one Arsenal player dove at it, and it ends up in the back of the net. Um, But, yeah, I I can't see Lacazette making a huge impact at Arsenal anymore. I I don't know. I think Arsenal needs to focus more on these young players and start really pushing uh, their youth program mostly.
0: I'm I'm with you there. They have a great young core of Saka, Odegaard, Smith Rowe, and even Pepe. And they 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 get into the box, they get to the line, they cross balls in, they are great with link up play in the midfield with give and goes, but they just need that one finisher. Arteta, the little pep, he's he has a good he has a good roster for him, but he just doesn't have a good striker.
2: Yeah. You
0: do love that young core, Mason. <laughs> hey, youth team, it's the way to go in FIFA, it's the way to go here. Am I right? Exactly. <laughs> All right. I think it's time to uh, get this elephant out of the room here with Manchester United and Burnley. Now we're talking. Mm. Here we All go. Right. All right. So Manchester United obviously tied Burnley 1-1. to Man, you had two goals disallowed within the first 30 minutes. That first one was the, the foul on an offside Harry Maguire. I just thought that was really, really soft. You guys' thoughts? <laughs> I thought it was a soft game
2: in general. If, if I'll be honest, I,
0: I'm not. I'm not disagreeing <laughs> with you there.
2: I don't know. Just the entire game just had this this weird feel about it. Uh, everyone wasn't really going into hard tackles. There really wasn't much like hard defending going on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the the fouls just reflected that exactly. Uh, a very soft game. A very I don't know. It seemed both teams seemed very
1: scared of each other. Chase, I agree with you. I think there was a lack of heart in this game. When I think of Manchester United, I think of a very passionate fan base, a very large, passionate fan base. When I think of Premier League soccer, I think of the same. Um, but I didn't see that in this game. And this game was just a game of two halves. I think Man U had it in the first half, but you know Burnley came out in the second half and was just head and shoulders above Man U, yes, unfortunately to
0: say, Mason. I'm sorry. Hey, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I am not a deluded fan. I know exactly <laughs> what Manchester United problems are. It's the same old story, just a different week. Man, you come out strong in that first half, and uh, Ralph Ragnet's halftime talk seems to just cool everyone down. It's just unbelievable to me. Um, Burnley came out, like you said, very aggressive in that second half. Man, you looked very uninterested to play. But David De Gea is still playing at an unreal level. And I think the player of the match, and I think the player of the weekend for me was definitely Ben Me on the Burnley side. The guy was everywhere, and it's not just for my namesake, I promise you. <laughs> they all say that, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let's not ignore how amazing of a goal Pogba scored, though. That okay. was that was a beauty,
0: beautiful finish. Fantastic. Oh my gosh. That
2: the goal that Paul Pogba is the only one to score. You
0: you don't see any other player make that goal. And it costs Manu about six billion pounds every time he scores a goal. It's yeah, crazy. Bye, ah, you know it it took a little bit, but he, he got there. It's about time he arrived. This is the second game in a row where he's played a decent amount of minutes, so that's very good to see on the Manu perspective. But the problems at the back, starting with big Harry Maguire, he just <laughs> oh big, my gosh. He's
2: problem again man didn't we just talk about him like two weeks ago he just keeps popping up as problematic for manchester united and i keep going back to it like two months ago i sent you a text and i said big h needs to go
0: you're not wrong there but i have i do have an interesting theory based on what's been happening so last season and like this and going into the euros I think Harry Maguire was one of the best center backs in the world. And I feel like that was because Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer just let him take the captain's band and let him just play, be his best. And I think Harry Maguire responded with his best play that made him look like he was worth the 80 million pounds he bought from Leicester. And now since Ralph Ragnikus took over and basically not guaranteed him playing time, I feel like that's hurt his confidence along with the quicksand theory of, the fans getting on you and you just get down on yourself. Yeah. That's what we talked about last week was
2: once those fans turn on you, it's hard to get back on, on your feet. And I think Harry Maguire
1: is definitely running into that problem.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm with you there. Zach any thoughts? Yeah. uh,
1: I, I hate to, to bring this up, but I don't think Harry Maguire is the, has been the biggest of Manchester United's issues recently. If we could quickly just take a, a few moments to, to talk about Mason Greenwood. Oof Oh my goodness, I'm sorry to bring it up, but I think we we need to you know shine some light on on the fact that this is just a, a terrible bit of information that got leaked out and uh, it's extremely unfortunate for for Mason for Manchester United to be you know locked up in this scandal now um, yeah, what, what, what kind of thoughts do you guys have on that? I, I think we just need to shed some light on it for a moment. I think teams do not
2: respond well to, you said, scandals or just negative media. Um, we saw that with Kareem Benzema. I thought Real Madrid took a dip whenever Benzema was was under, under fire for all of his stuff that was going on. Um, I just think as soon as a scandal comes to light, I think that team takes a, a total hit on their confidence. And again, I think that goes back to the fans turning on you. Uh, Once those fans start thinking that, oh, well, maybe we aren't good enough or or maybe um, they start questioning, I think that's when that club really can can get down on themselves. And we we talk about it pretty much week in and week out. The fans are a real important part of the game. And scandals are not good for the fans and, in turn, not good
0: for the club. It very much is not good for the club, especially in terms of marketability or anything like that. There's just been so many instances throughout sports history, let alone soccer history, of you know, these kinds of acts being placed. Look at um was it Ben Mendy of Manchester City with his nine counts and stuff like that. And it's just done, man. It's oh it's <laughs> he it's, is done. He's it's awful for the it's awful for the fans. It's awful for the club to see this happen to their own player.
2: Yeah, you hate to see a beloved player. Uh, someone that you would look up to. I know a lot of people looked up to Benjamin Mendy. That That's a player that so many people adored, a lot of fans adored. Uh, for him to go and do something so egregious, and, and same with Mason Greenwood, uh, same exact same thing. A lot of people look up to, to these players, and especially with Mason Greenwood, a lot of young people look up to these players. Uh, and for these
0: terrible acts to come out, uh, it, it's just awful. Uh, yeah. It is awful, and that it it does leave Manu in a really, really bad position, which is why they've suspended him immediately. Mm -hmm. I know Nike dropped them, dropped him as well, Um, and we'll just we'll see where this trial goes. Yeah, tough. Very, very tough to very, very tough uh, tough times. Uh, All right, let's move on and talk about a very, very strange game, at least to me, which was the Liverpool versus Leicester game. Well,
2: I want to say one thing about that Manchester United game before we move on to Liverpool, because I have a lot to say about Liverpool. But uh, (laughs) I think that Nick Pope was unreal against Manchester United. Agreed. Cavani was ridiculous. For him to sprint the entire way across that goal in the time it took for the ball to go across the goal. And we all know, I mean, we played for the same coach. The ball moves faster than the player. (laughs) We heard that countless times. Too many times. Cross that goal to make that save that Cavani thought he had an easy, just a header in. That was unreal. That was crazy.
0: That was crazy. Nick Hope and Ben May, both were fantastic for that Burnley defense. And I think my whole solution with the Man U squad is just to sell everyone.
2: Get them out of there.
0: Ugh. Maybe keep like Dean Henderson. That's about it. <laughs> Odd choice, but I'll agree to it. Listen, he's young and everybody needs a good goalkeeper. I think De Gea, while he has been world-class this year, um, I think he doesn't have that much left in the tank to continue this great form for at, the, at most five years. And I think it's Dean Henderson's time. I feel like we should sell De Gea while we still have a chance to get a good good money for him and make some form of profit after the $1 billion net spend loss these last 10 years. Yeah, I agree. All right, Chase, what do you have for us about Liverpool versus Leicester? All right, so we won 2-0.
2: Leicester starting a very weak side. Uh, I don't even remember all the players that they didn't start. I mean, they're back four. Oh, yeah, Mason, you texted me and you said,
0: uh, what is Brendan Rodgers doing? What, what is his game plan? There was there was no Vestergaard. and Didi was playing center back. There was no Suyucho. It was, it was, I think it was like Justin. I, I don't even know who was. At, I think it was Justin who was at the outside back. It was just really surprising to see. The only person who I expected was Casper Schmeichel in goal. Yeah.
2: Ian Acho also not starting.
0: Ian Acho didn't start. Harvey Barnes didn't start. Yuri Telemans didn't start. Chowdery didn't start. Pereira didn't start. What was going on? Uh, yeah. They started such a weak side,
2: and I think it showed. So, I mean, Ian Acho and Telemans both coming on later in the game. Uh, but not, not before Liverpool already scored two goals. Uh, Diego Jota specifically scoring two goals. Uh, but this stat, Liverpool had 22 shots to Leicester's five. <laughs> uh, I think that just tells you everything about the game right there. Um, Liverpool controlled. Uh, they had a couple moments where maybe we got a little scared. But I think the telling sign of Lester not playing well was that Joel Matip was in the midfield for most of that game. It I was. mean, he started as center back, but coming off and having a beautiful assist to, to uh, Diego Jata, he was on the 18. Our center back was sitting on the 18 with a beautiful assist. Um, I think that's very telling of how Lester played that day.
0: I fully agree, and I feel like they... They sat back so much to the point where Trent and Andy were just at the other teams, at, at Leicester's own outs, outside of the box. They were there the whole game. They just Andy, sat Andy Robertson played brilliant um, crosses into the box, and same with Trent.
2: Yeah, uh, crazy, cr- crazy stuff. Really not sure what Brendan Rodgers was doing there. Uh, I thought he threw the game. We, I mean, with the side he started and then how they played, it seemed like he was almost trying to throw the game. Very crazy. But Luis Diaz, what a player he is.
0: What a debut he had. What a debut.
2: Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, his debut uh, a couple days ago for – when who did they play? Cardiff. Luis Diaz with a very, very crazy smooth assist right on the touchline, cutting it back. Diego Jata missing it. And then Mina Mino. Uh, slotting it into the, the bottom corner. But again, again, his Premier League debut now, he played unreal. He was so, so good. People are now comparing him to Luis Suarez. They're saying, is he the next Luis Suarez? Uh, and I've talked to some people. They say that they think he could be better over time because he has that technical ability. Obviously, Luis Suarez just having that great soccer mind and athleticism. Uh, but Luis Diaz has an insane technical ability and we he's been showing it off these past two games very very good in small spaces.
0: Let's be let's be careful here trying to uh label our new Luis Suarez here because I could I could sit here all day and talk about the next Wayne Rooney or whatever for Manchester United but that's that's beside the point. He's Man- Man- a fantastic player. I feel like he'd be yeah. so much better if he does play at that center striker position for Bobby Firmino. Yeah. It would be beautiful. Him and Diego Jata
2: have been connecting amazingly in the past two games. Uh, Jata, again, just doing what he does best and and slotting the ball in the net. He had two pretty easy goals for himself against Leicester. Uh, pretty set up by other players, uh, but still very impressive. Two goals is never anything to, to blink your eyes at. Uh, but I think my man of the match for this game was Joel Matip. I think he played amazing. I think he was very threatening on the offensive half, but then was solid when it came to defense.
0: That's, that's true. I guess he heard our podcast about, uh, starting Kunate last week.
2: He heard us saying that, uh, he shouldn't start. And he said, all right, I'll show you something about that.
0: (laughs) Zach, what are your thoughts on the game?
1: I give the credit to Jurgen Klopp. I think he's continuing to be an incredible coach. I think he's making great decisions, bringing in great players and letting them do their thing. Um, not only is he bringing in good players, he's bringing in the right players. You know, you bring in Luis Diaz, instantly making a great impact, instantly cohesive with the rest of the squad. Um, good choice letting, you know, players like Salah and Mane rest for a bit after their African Cup of Nations is just finishing up. Well, Sadio uh, Mane just got back today. today exactly. Back in training. Uh, Salah actually coming off the bench a little bit. Uh, he did in the second half.
2: Just getting back to England today.
1: Yeah, so I think it's it's just a really great use of his squad. Um, you know, back, we were talking about Cardiff there for a moment. I think, uh, once again, he's using the right players. Jota, Minamino, these guys, they're stepping up and filling in the big gap that is left behind. You know, if if, uh, if other squads had the gaps um, that Liverpool does when Salah and Mane are gone, they're a whole different team, but not Liverpool. They're really using their squad to great effect and filling in those gaps, performing well and outperforming other top Premier League squads.
2: Yeah, I think some great players that have stepped up in this time where Sala and Mane are both gone is Curtis Jones. Uh, Curtis Jones is a, an amazing player that you can toss really anywhere except for the back four. And Klopp has done just that. He has put Curtis Jones everywhere across the field and he's always consistent. Uh, I would like to see him sort of specialize himself in one of those roles and not just be basically a Swiss army knife. Uh, I would love to see him either in that front three or in that Henderson uh, Fabinho role, either one. He he's very good. He's a very talented young player. And then Harvey Elliott also getting some time against Lester. He's just so good. I mean, I, I don't have, much to say about him, just because he's an amazing player for being only 20 years old.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm with you there, and uh, Klopp loves his Swiss Army nice. I I remember back in his Dortmund days, he used to use Kevin Grosskreutz everywhere on the field except for goalkeeper. I think maybe at one point he had to go in for something, but Grosskreutz played everywhere, and I don't know, maybe Curtis Jones will be that everywhere player except the back line, but I do love him better in that center mid role as that 8 to Fabinho or Henderson's six. But I think I think Harvey Barn, or Harvey Elliott. Excuse me, Harvey Elliott's going to be an amazing player for Liverpool in the future. Yeah, as I just hope we don't
2: send him out on loan. Uh, we have a very bad habit of taking these young players and sending them to get more game time for more first team time at a smaller club. Uh, Harry Wilson is at Bournemouth. Uh, Ryan Brewsters at Sheffield. Um, we have Nathan or Nathaniel Phillips just going out to Fulham. Uh, all these players, very, very good players. I would love to have them in our squad. Uh, but again, we don't really have any depth issues because, as you said, Zacho, we plug those gaps pretty easily. And those players are world-class, right? We, we toss those guys in, and they are almost just as good as Mane and Sala. Obviously, Mane and Salah are above and beyond. Uh, but Curtis Jones... Minamino, Divac Origi, all of these guys are amazing players that have made amazing contributions to this team at one point
0: or another. I feel like the one like lack of depth you guys have is going to be at that outside back position because you will never have two outside backs that are equivalent to what Trent gives you going forward and what Andy Robertson does as well.
2: Yeah, you're right. We do have a Nico Williams, uh, which he's a 20-year-old, very talented, that we toss in that left back for – Uh, Andy Robertson, whenever he's injured, but uh, yeah, he, he's just not as good Uh, again, very, very young. So he has the time to sort of get into that role and get comfortable in it. But at the moment he, he's just nowhere close to Trent Alexander Arnold or Andy Robertson. Uh, So, yeah, I would agree with that. We, we need a little bit more depth there. Uh, Even (laughs) James Milner hops in that right back. (laughs) Sometimes Jordan Henderson hops in that right back. Sometimes we just, We need somebody that we can rely on back in that right back uh, to substitute Trent Alexander-Arnold out. Uh, But, I mean, I I wouldn't see why we
0: would even want to sub him out. He's unreal, Um, just preying on no injuries. I'm with you there, but sometimes one rotated rest once in a while is good for the player. Oh, for sure. All right, Chase, got any more games for us to talk about? Uh, we
2: do have one, which is Manchester City and Brentford. And this is just because I love talking about Brentford. Uh, Erickson didn't play, but I think Manchester City got lucky again. Uh, Brentford playing Everton, losing four to one. And I went in on Everton that game. I thought they played terribly, even though the scoreline said that they one handedly. Uh, Man City winning off of a penalty kick, which was very soft. Uh, Raheem Sterling going down as Raheem Sterling does. Um, the comments on the on the YouTube video for the highlights uh, were all about Raheem Sterling, Sterling being a dolphin because he he dove hard. Um, he was going down before uh, the Brentford defender even got close to him. So some people thought it could have been overturned. I don't think it was ever going to be overturned, but penalty kick was awarded, and so they got one nothing up. And then the Brentford goalkeeper Raha. Uh, He just gave the ball straight into the middle and Kevin De Bruyne putting number two past that goalkeeper that I I don't really know what he was doing. Uh, I didn't see a Brentford player anywhere near Kevin De Bruyne. But yeah, I think Man City got a little lucky there. I think Brentford is playing very, very well. And they remind me of Leeds. They are just so much fun to watch. Uh, Sterling, obviously missing some wide open nets as he does as well. Uh, he had one of those opportunities where the goalie just gave it to him right in front of the net, and he completely shanked it. Not sure how he did that. Um, but the one thing I did want to bring up was Cancelo. He was world class. He was great in that left back position. He was dribbling. He was taking players on. He made some runs into the box. Uh, I think it's time for a Cancelo and Trent Alexander Arnold debate. I think they're they're pretty. They're both very attacking-minded players, not very much defensively, but both of them making a very big impact on that outside-back position.
0: I'm with you there. Uh, Both Cancelo and Trent just give you so much going forward, and obviously probably the two best right-backs in the league. If only Juan Basaka can get as good as that going forward. Um, (laughs) He'd be
2: an amazing defender if he could could do anything close to what (laughs) Trent were doing.
0: uh, I wish, but... No, uh, Cancelo obviously won the uh, the FIFA team of the year for the ultimate team. And he's been one of the best right backs. And Pep obviously knows how to use him correctly. First, he's had Kyle Walker. Now he has uh, Cancelo. So I guess uh, Pep loves his fast uh, outside backs. Yeah, great stuff. Zach O, your thoughts? Brentford
2: going forward. Really want to see Brentford do well next season. I think they have a squad that can definitely push the boundaries. Uh, but we said that about Leeds as well last season, and we say we see how that ended up this year.
1: I'm with you there. Zach, go. You have any thoughts? Well, going off of uh, Brentford here, Erickson is with Brentford now. When are we going to see Christian Erickson back in some Premier League action?
2: I was very surprised he didn't play against Manchester City, but also they were down to nothing by the time it would be to make some substitutes. Uh, So I would have saved him in that game as well. So hopefully next game we can see him
1: get out there. Hope so too. I think all eyes are on him once he steps onto the uh, sideline there preparing to come in. I don't think that he's going to make a starting 11 spot initially, but I think he'd be a great option off the bench just to get his feet in the water. And then uh, we'll see what happens and see how he reacclimates to the Premier League. Can't wait to see him play.
0: No matter what ground he comes in and plays, it's, he's going to get a standing ovation, and rightfully so. Yeah, agreed. All right, so that's the last of our English Premier League games. So let's get right into these uh, game predictions. All right, so the last, last week with the FA Cup games, Chase and myself both got our upset picks right. Uh, Chase got his Middlesbrough pick over Man U. I'm Correct. a genius for that man. <laughs> Hold it. I thought
2: I felt it, man. I felt that Manchester United team was not going to come in strong enough,
0: even though they started a, a very strong side. I still got it. You still got it. And I got my I got my Borham Wood boys going up against Bournemouth with that one nil sit in the back and play defense. <laughs> we absolutely love to see it. So the score of the game is Chase six, myself two, and Zach start off with a big old goose egg since you weren't here last week. Fair enough. All right. So the first game we're going to get into is going to be Leicester versus West Ham. And I I I was bold and I predicted a two to two tie. Wow. I feel like Brendan Rodgers needs to get some form of reaction out of his men, but I don't think they're going to do it against West Ham. They're West Ham's just solid all around. Declan Rice, I feel like it's going to control the midfield. But and I think it's going to be a really good game that I just don't see any winner in this case. And I'm going to say a two to two draw.
2: Interesting. I went 2 nothing West Ham. I think West Ham has been strong recently. Uh, I know they have been struggling. They struggled against Kidminster, <laughs> Kid this tier side in the FA Cup. <laughs> Still mind-blowing. Still absolutely mind-blowing. And then they struggled against Watford, uh, but I just think West Ham is the better
1: team there. I think they're pulling it out 2 nothing. I agree, Chase. I'm with you. I'm picking West Ham 2-1 to over Leicester. there. Um, I think West Ham is the better team. I think Leicester's still a bit out of sorts, and uh, coming off of their last game there, I think that uh, they're going to be a little bit frazzled, so I'm giving West Ham the benefit of the doubt here with a good squad coming into this week. I'd but, even put out
2: on a limb and say that James Madison is going to score that Leicester goal. He's been very good recently, and even scoring a couple goals uh, before this 2 nothing loss to Liverpool.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm with you there. All right, so let's move on to the Man U versus Southampton game. Should I even try to pick Man U to win, guys? Oh. I don't think so, man. I don't think you can. You know, I got to I gotta back up my team. Uh, I'm going to go with a 3-2 Manchester United win. Wow. All right. So lots of goals. Uh, I'm picking a fun weekend, boys. I don't know about you.
2: <laughs> I went with a 1-1 tie, man. <laughs> I think... Southampton coming off that three to two win against Tottenham. Uh, Ward Prowse, which was my player of the week, um, playing out of his mind. Uh, they played against Tottenham and could have easily won four to two, four to three, whatever it was. They could have scored so many more goals than they did. So I think I, I don't see a winner there, especially with Man U out of
1: sorts right now. I'm going one to one. Chase, I also picked a one to one draw there. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Chase and I are kind of on the same wavelength right now, but um, I'm telling you what, Man U, not looking in form right now, and Southampton, they are. Um, I think, you know, as we talked about earlier, Southampton's, they, they're putting together a good team right now with uh, good performances all around. So I'm giving Southampton the uh, benefit of the doubt here, but not quite enough
0: that they get the win. <laughs> I, I don't like to use the C word, especially on our podcast, but this is some collusion going on over here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the next game we're, we're going to pick is Everton versus Leeds, and I picked the murder ball Leeds winning against Everton 2-1. to one. I just don't think Frank Lampard can uh, can match Bielsa's murder ball with uh, the pace he has and just the good players Leeds have overall.
2: Agreed. I went with a one nothing for Leeds. Uh, Everton, Playing terribly right now. Um, maybe I'm being a little harsh. I was harsh with them last week. I was harsh with them this week. I just think they're playing very poor soccer.
1: I think Leeds is taking it one nothing. I just have to start this one off by saying, Chase and I did not collude at all. <laughs> but I also took Leeds one nothing.
0: Oh but my I, god! <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just think Frank Lampard still needs to discipline his team, get them to focus and work together. And until that happens. There is just not going to be any productive play from Everton. Um, Leeds, again, good squad. They should feel confident going into this game. Yep, agreed.
0: At least we're all on the same page with Leeds winning. All right, the next game is going to be Liverpool versus Burnley, and I just... better all be on the same page with this one. I'm picking Burnley. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to go with <laughs> Liverpool <laughs> three to one. <laughs> you say three to one? Three to one. Liverpool over Burnley. All right, I went 3
2: nothing. I don't think Liverpool's back line is going to get cracked by Burnley. I don't think it's possible. Uh, even if we start Matip, which I don't think we will, just because he did get the start against um, Leicester, I think we will start Kanata. Uh, but I think it's going to be 3-0. There, there's no way they're breaking down Kanata and Ver- Van Dyke, or Matip and Van Dyke.
1: All right, Liverpool 4, Burnley 0. I'm very confident in Liverpool Ooh. going to this game. They're going to have their star players, Salah and Mane back as options uh, against a team like Burnley. Klopp may give the other guys a chance like we were talking about earlier, um, but regardless, any of those players will be able to finish against that Burnley defense. Very confident
0: for nothing Liverpool.
1: Yeah. Oh, I really on this
0: with that. <laughs> really? You want Burnley to score now? Just rubbing your guys' faces. Uh- <laughs> And the last game of the the five standard games is going to be Villa versus Newcastle. And I had Aston Villa winning two to one. I, I think it's going to be a great game. I just feel like Ollie Watkins and Felipe Coutinho, like we said earlier in the show, are going to combine together and get uh, one or two. But I still think Newcastle with uh, St. Maximan up top are going to be, it's going to be a fun game to watch. Two to one, Villa over Newcastle. Completely agree. I went Villa as well, but I went three to two. I think this is going to be a
2: shootout. I think this is going to come down to goalkeepers uh, because both of these teams, obviously not the strongest in defense. Austin Villa letting up a 3-1 lead against Leeds earlier in the week. Uh, And then Newcastle also scoring three goals against Everton. I think this is going to be an absolute offensive, beautiful game. Um, But mine comes with a little asterisk because if Coutinho is healthy, I definitely think it's going to be a 3-2 game. But if he's not, it's going to be a little closer.
1: And I'm going two-two draw. Aston and Newcastle. There, um, I just wanted to mention, not exactly a household name, but uh, Matt Target. He's Ooh. switching from Aston to Newcastle. So would it be possible that we see Matt Target get into this game and kind of use their his old tactics against his old team this time?
2: Man, that'd be some
1: filthy tactics right there. Yeah, that Good. would be that would be dirty play, but exciting to watch. So.
0: Yeah, overall two-two draw. All right, that's gonna be that's gonna be another good game this weekend. A lot of good games this weekend. Wow, I did for that one. Yeah. All right, let's go on to the lock picks, and that's I'm I went with City beating Norwich three to zero. Norwich relegation team, and I just don't think they're gonna muster anything against Man City. Well, uh, yeah, Zach, I'm gonna
2: be very surprised if you don't go this game as well. I also did Man City versus Norwich. I went two nothing.
1: <laughs> yep. Well. You guys are absolutely correct. Uh, Mason, I agree with you. This time, 3-0 City.
0: That's right. The collusion works in my favor. Let's go. (laughs)
2: Let's go Norwich. I'd love to see Norwich bring down the champions, but I I don't think it's going to happen.
0: I I don't think so as well. I did have a really interesting upset pick, and I think Watford have been surprisingly decent these last few weeks, and I think they're going to get a 1-0 win over Graham Potter's men at Brighton. Is that really an
2: upset, though? I mean, I guess it would be because Brighton did just tie Chelsea one-to-one last
0: month. And Brighton is higher on the table. And honestly, with the teams we had up here already, there wasn't that many games left. Yeah, true. You got a point. So, yeah, I did pick Watford 1-0 in that game. Okay. I went Brentford. Uh, I love talking about Brentford.
2: I love watching Brentford. So, I went Brentford versus Crystal Palace. And I think, again, they're going to win 2-0
1: craziness, Chase. I picked Brentford 1-0 over Crystal Palace.
2: I just love watching Brentford, man. I think they're a very fun side to watch. I think they play a very nice style of soccer. I think it's nice. uh, And Again, they, they had some very, very good moments against City. They did not let the
1: champions feel comfortable for that entire game. No, not at all. They keep up the pressure really well. They've got a lot of quick, shifty young guys. They know how to use them well. Um, Crystal Palace they're kind of uh, in a plateau right now I feel like you know a couple seasons ago they were kind of exciting especially when they were newer and you know producing these young players that are now stars at other squads but yeah I think Brentford is uh, in a great position to to beat Crystal Palace this week. I agree. I would love to see Zaha get off that Crystal Palace team if I'm going to be honest yeah yeah <laughs> I'd agree with that I think he deserves better Kind of like we were saying with Sone earlier, you know, uh, Zaha's a world-class player, but he just doesn't get to showcase his talent often enough.
2: Yeah, I, his biggest problem is his attitude. I think he's a very quick-tempered player that loses his cool um, very often, honestly. It's, and that, that fits with a small-club t- mentality, and that's why I was a sort of angry at Everton for adopting that mentality against Newcastle. I think that very chippy style and one bad tackle and you're your throwing hands, I think that's a very small club mentality. And I think that's what Zaha is still stuck in. And I think that's why he, he'll he never really get to that next level where he really should be because his talents are unbelievable.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm with you there. And I think that just comes with the whole Patrick Vieira as his coach mentality because he he played the exact same way when he was at Arsenal. Yeah, exactly. Everyone remembers that. Chippy uh, elbow he threw at uh, Rude Van Nistelrooy. Mm-hmm. Oh. All right, and for our last game, this is going to be an interesting one. In honor of our La Liga correspondent being here, our wild card game is going to be a La Liga game. Yes. All right. Yes. So, I picked Madrid over Villarreal this week over the yellow submarines two to one. Ooh. All right. I don't know if that
2: if that's ballsy or not, uh, Real Madrid obviously being a very strong side. Uh, but Vir- Villarreal has
0: not been a team to mess with recently. Mm-mm. Ever it's since ball. their Europa League against uh, Man U, they've been, they've been pretty good. Yeah, very.
1: They've been very good, definitely a force to be reckoned with. So I went Atletico versus, what is it, Getafe? Yeah, Getafe.
2: Yeah, I went 2 nothing. Uh, Atletico, Zach, you were talking about it earlier. They have a very strong side. Obviously, still coming off that four to two loss against Barca, still a very, a very talented and, and good side.
1: So um, I definitely think they're going to take that game two nothing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a strong pick. I think that's a safe bet. Um, no surprise here. I'm backing my boys this time. Real Madrid over Villarreal, three to two. Real. I think that uh, you know we're going to have everyone back to full strength after a good week of training here. Uh, Villarreal has been a very good team. Definitely, like I said, a force to be reckoned with. But I uh, got to back Los Blancos on this one.
0: I'm just surprised you have uh, Villarreal scoring two goals on that back line of Alaba, Militao, and Courtois. You know what? I mean, like I said, they have a great squad. And um,
1: although I have a strong faith in our defense, uh, I just don't think that uh, our defense is going to be 100% effective against the firepower that's coming against us. Um, honestly, it was a tough, tough decision here. I, I considered Villarreal beating Madrid, and it still may may happen. It very well may happen. Um, but I have confidence in Madrid. Fair enough. Got to back your guys. Absolutely. That's it. That's what it comes down to for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. You guys ridicule me every time I back, man. You. Well,
1: that's because they just tied Burnley, man. <laughs> <laughs> madrid's at the top of the table i mean i i would be dumb not to back them at this point right mm-hmm.
2: fully agree, agree. Uh,
0: what place is manchester united in we're mm. not going to talk about it we're not going to talk about it mm.
1: well, well i know yeah. they
0: dropped out of the top four their number the top six. five their number six are number six interesting, interesting. They have a game in hand on West Ham who are in fourth place now. That's all, I'm, that's all I'm looking forward to.
2: Yeah, but West Ham is playing a weak Leicester side and Man U's playing a strong Southampton side. We'll see how that happens, man.
0: I'll bet you guys each a naked lap Man U wins this week.
2: <laughs> I will shake hands on that one.
0: <laughs> all right, guys. Anything
2: else we need to talk about? There is one more thing. Tomorrow is the Club World Cup versus, which is Chelsea versus a Brazilian club, Palmeiras. Uh, this this is very similar to the 2019 Club World Cup, which had featured my team, Liverpool, versus Flamengo. Uh, Liverpool winning one nothing. Yeah, I think Chelsea's easily taken this one. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's not too much else to say about that one. Chelsea playing a very small-sided team uh, from. Basically, a league that I don't mo- know much about. The only thing I really know is that it's the same league that Santos is from, which is where Neymar came from. Uh, but other than that, I know nothing about that Brazilian league. So I definitely have Chelsea taking that this this weekend, which they had to postpone their Arsenal game to do so. But uh, yeah, I, I don't see them losing that game. You know what, guys?
0: I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a little bold here. I'm gonna be a little bold here because. Chelsea struggled so much when they played against Plymouth Argyle.
2: And I guess a month ago, and I mean, it's not even a month ago, they struggled against Brighton. Yeah, that's... I'll go with you, Mace. I'm going for it. We'll... Let's back Palmeiras. I'll be I'll...
0: watching tomorrow. I'll, I'll back Palmeiras. I'll go with a two-to-one win. And let's see, let's see if that actually happens. Wow. I love it. All right. Well, thank you, Zach O'Connor, for joining us this week. Thank you, guys. It was a pleasure. Lots yeah. to be on and...
1: I look forward to uh, continuing to tune in and hopefully I'll be on again sometime soon.
0: Absolutely. We'd love to have you. All right. All right, guys. Have a great night. I'll see you guys next time.
1: All right, guys. Thanks.